1972, Walter Michelle, a psychologist at Stanford University, conducted a study that has come to be called the Marshmallow Experiment. In this study, a child was offered a choice between one small and immediate reward or two small and delayed rewards if they waited for a period of time. So in other words, one possible reward was a marshmallow. They also used candies and cookies and all sorts of things. But, but the child was told, you can have a marshmallow right now. Um, or if you wait, and that marshmallow is still there when I come back, I have to go do something. I'll be back. And when I come back, if that marshmallow is still there, then I'll put another marshmallow down and you can have two marshmallows. The children ranged in age from four to six. And after the experiment, uh, the children were followed for decades with further questionnaires and, and uh, information gathering. Uh, the last research with which I am familiar surveyed the population in 2014, I think. Those children who postponed the immediate reward in order to obtain the two rewards across all this time demonstrated better school and test performance, increased social responsibility, greater social competence, less frustration, and lower levels of aggression. Now, there are limitations to this study and to the application of the information, and there are ways to teach this delay of gratification or willpower. We'll take the next few minutes unpacking both of these. Hi, I'm Scott Brown. Come talk to me. Now, good research or good intellectual work of any sort has several advantages. And one of those is that it leads to other research or other thought. In this case, there's been some additional work that suggests limitations to Michelle's findings. Watts, Duncan, and Kwan researchers found that, that trust was a significant mediator. So in other words, if children do not trust that the bigger reward will, will really be available, they're more likely to take the bird in the hand rather than waiting for the two in the bush. This is true in the experiment and in schools and in homes. For example, children raised without as much economic support may be more likely to take the immediate reward because their world has taught them that it would be silly to pass up what you have right now for something that may or may not be available in the future. Secondly, related to the trust issue is the experience of broken promises. In one study, if an experimenter made a promise uh, for a reward at one point, and then that promise was broken, children were less likely to wait for the bigger reward in a subsequent situation. So the experimenter said, hey, if you wait, you can have two marshmallows, and then broke that promise. Said, no, I, we, we ran out of marshmallows. Or no, you can't have two, you just have to have the one. Then if the children went through a, a scenario later, they were less likely to wait. They went ahead and took the marshmallow that was in front of them. A third related mediator was family support. Those children with supported families tended to wait for the larger reward. Income was a fourth related mediator that fits with all of these things around financial support and that sort of thing. 
And then food or food scarcity was another related mediator. Children who had been raised in situations where food was often unavailable were not likely to give up the present reward on the chance that the larger reward would really show up. Children raised in homes uh, with, where food scarcity has not been an issue are more likely to wait because their experience is, I can always go to the pantry and get it. But in children raised without that sort of security, they are more likely to take the immediate reward. And so there's a few lessons in there, right, around families like um, supportive family teaches willpower, teaches uh, frustration tolerance just by being supportive. A second message for families and for parents, quite frankly, is let's try not to break our promises. When our children trust us, they trust life and they trust that those sorts of inherent promises are going to be kept. Really important inherent promises, right? Like, for example, if I work hard, I can have an effect on my future. That's a big promise in our way of life. But if we break promises when the children are younger, it really can impact their ability to trust those bigger promises, right? If we don't reward them for their hard work when they're four or six or 12, well, why would they work hard in high school to get good grades, believing that that's going to help them in the future? That's not what the evidence has said to them. So there are two things that these last five points teach us, right? First, there's a theme here. The theme is, if I believe that I can trust my world, it's easier to develop willpower it's easier to delay gratification. If I can't trust my, my future, then willpower is a bad strategy. So parents, make sure you send a message to your children that they can trust their future, meaning that they can trust you and that they can trust that their behavior has an impact on their future. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Second, the second point here, this is not an issue of intelligence. These children didn't decide to not delay the gratification because they weren't smart enough to figure this out. They didn't take the one marshmallow instead, or excuse me, yeah, they didn't take the one marshmallow instead of the two uh, because they weren't intelligent. In fact, they took the one marshmallow instead of the two because their world had taught them that this was precisely the smarter move, right? Their world had taught them, hey, you have a marshmallow in front of you. I know this guy's promising a second marshmallow, but, you know, promises don't get kept, man. Take the one while you got it. That's the smarter move. So how do we teach our children this willpower? How do we help them? understand that it's a wise move to give up the video games to do their homework or to eat a healthy diet to be physically healthier in 20 or 30 years. And there are some ideas. The first is to model it. Don't be a do as I say, not as I do kind of parent. It simply doesn't work. Albert Bandura showed us that children will model adults' behavior and that this form of learning is often more powerful than simply receiving instructions. So let your children see you learning. Let them see you living in healthy ways, eating healthy, exercising. Show them that willpower works. Even narrate that for them. 
right? So you talk about mom's job and how successful mom is at her job. Remind them that mom went through a lot of years of experience and or education and hard work to get here. And that while she was doing that, she wasn't out messing around with friends. She wasn't out uh, spending time doing just fun things or watching TV. She had to work for that. So that took willpower. That took the ability to say, I'm not going to go do the fun thing because I have to study this or work on this. Let them help them make that connection. Keep your promises. Right? Because if life's promises are not kept, why would I give up something now? Because I, I, I have a hope for something in the future. Hope doesn't count in a world where promises aren't kept. And we want them, as I mentioned, we want them to believe your promises and then we want them to believe life's promises. And in, in accordance with that, believing life's promises, teach your children that their behavior has real consequences. Healthy behavior has pleasant and reliable consequences most of the time, just as unhealthy behavior has unpleasant and still reliable consequences most of the time. Use consequences as a means of teaching your children that their behavior impacts the future. Let me give you a couple of examples. In our house, one of the things that became a rule was if you get some bad news or you're asked to do something you don't want to do or you um, have to put off doing something that you really like, um, and you uh, you get get really mad, or you slam the door, or you yell, or you stop, or you really uh, are mean to somebody. Well, then it's really possible, maybe even likely, that the next time you want something, let's say we're going into a store, and that store has a wonderful snack bar, and in that snack bar are these beautiful soft pretzels with gooey, warm cheese, and it's fantastic. And you say, hey, Dad, can, can I get a pretzel? Well, Dad might say to you, you know, just 30 minutes ago when I, we asked you to clean your room, you were kind of mean to Mom. So, so help me understand, since you were mean to Mom, why I would buy you a pretzel right now. Right? Now, that's hard to do. I hated it every time I did something like that. But they learned very quickly in our family. It was beautiful because not only did they learn, but our daughter, who is now 29, almost 30, she'd be really pleased with me saying that. Um, and our son, uh, middle, our middle guy, who is 22 and or about to be, and our youngest, who is 18. Well, the, the two older ones taught it to him. I didn't even have to teach it. It was, hey, do, clean your room, don't have a bad attitude, and probably we'll get something cool later. I, I would hear him teaching him really great. A second example of that is homework, right? I mean, homework is the bane of every child's existence. And we, in our house, we would talk about homework and we would talk about how it teaches you about whatever subject you're learning and it teaches you how to handle boredom and frustration and annoyance. And the expectation was you were going to get your homework done. You're not going to watch TV. You're not going to play video games. You're not going to throw a fit. You're going to get it done because it's really important. And if that means you don't get to play video games today because you have a lot of homework, I'm really sorry. And I mean that I'm really sorry, but you still got to do the homework. And as you get older into high school, if that means you really are piled up with homework because you're in 
advanced classes or you have a job where you had to work after school or some sort of practice after school and you didn't get started on the homework till late and now you're going to be up till midnight or one or two in the morning you're going to be really exhausted all day tomorrow <sighs> sorry do your homework I'm really sorry I, I may even stay up with you and make you hot chocolate see if there's anything you need and review stuff with you I've many mornings at two in the two in the morning been reviewing uh, coursework for a test with, with one of the children. And it kind of stinks. We're both tired the next day. That's okay, right? It's just frustration. No big deal. Another way is to get your child involved in an activity that that involves creativity, fun, learning, accomplishment, and work. So I like that mix, right? I like it to be fun. I like it to be creative. I like it to involve learning. I like it to involve hard work and accomplishment. We like we love children to have a sense of mastery, to be an expert. I really love it when I see a 12-year-old who is the family's foremost expert in whatever, tornadoes, um, scuba diving, scouting, hiking, needlepoint sewing sports arts collecting i have, have one guy who began to go with an uncle of his and collect arrowheads that they found and he developed this collection of arrowheads of various tribes of indigenous people here in america and he mounted them on boards and he knew the differences and could identify them he gets invited now to all sorts of geological society meetings to talk about his collection of arrowheads and what they're made of and how they're carved and why they function the way they do for that particular tribe. It's really fantastic. Also, teach specific ways to delay something that is tempting now for something better later. So let me give you a few ideas that you can use with children. One, so there's that cupcake and if you take the cupcake now that probably means you don't get dessert after dinner so why don't you imagine that there's a frame around that cupcake and it's really a picture it's not even a real cupcake and since it's not even a real cupcake it's not possible to have it now it's just a picture second imagine that that cupcake smells like smelly fish Ooh-wee. That was gross, right? You bite into the cupcake and the cream filling inside smells like fish guts. Yeah. Imagine that. Really imagine. Third, researchers witnessed children who were delaying gratification often humming. Right? They, they get their mind occupied with something else. Humming. So teach our children to hum if there's something they're trying to postpone, some willpower they're trying to use. Fourth, teach them to go do something distracting. Where are the Legos? Where are the baby dolls? Where are the books? Where, where is there something we can do that will be fun and distract us from this thing that we're trying to not, not get involved with right now? Fifth, prime the child. Something like this. You know, I know it'll be hard. I mean, this is really tough, right? It's really hard to eat in a healthy way all the time. But if grandma offers you a second piece of cake, you might try to say no. 
you know, I know it'll be really hard. You can come get me or you can come get mom, but try to say no. Try to say, you know, grandma, I'm trying to eat in a healthy way and not, not going to get the second piece of cake. Next, reward the child. When they delay gratification, find ways to reward them. There are times where if one of the kids was up late the night, night before doing homework, um, one of us might show up at school and they got out of school and say, hey, let's stop by a convenience store on the way home and get some, you know, convenience store food just for the fun of it. Or let's go get ice cream. Right. Or let's go home and play this game together because you were awesome last night. You stayed up and did this homework. It was fantastic. Right. We're really proud of you. There are times when we'd be driving along on the weekend and it'd be about dinner time and we would just pull in. Children would be all in the back of the required minivan, right? And we would just pull in to a restaurant that was everybody's favorite restaurant. And they're like, what? why are we here? Why are we here? Go we'll drive up and we turn the, the van off and my wife might turn around and say, well, here's why we're here. Because this week you stayed up late twice doing homework to make sure you had it all done. And that was really, really cool. And you did a great job of cleaning up your room the first time that we asked and thought that was awesome. And you just went out and helped dad in the garage when he was cleaning out the garage on Saturday. You didn't even have to be asked. And you guys could have all been doing more fun things than those at that time. And you didn't have a bad attitude. You just went and did it. You had great willpower. So now we're going to go eat here. Awesome reward. Whole family's happy and thrilled. And, is, you know, we go sit at the table and sing songs and eat copious amounts of food. It's fantastic, right? And then the last is imagining the reward. So if a child's working on something, works for us adults too, um, have them imagine um, the new clothes that they're going to get when they are in better physical shape. Have them imagine um, going to the favorite restaurant instead of eating the cupcake. Have them imagine the dessert after dinner, which just happens to be homemade, whatever that they really love. And it's a lot better than that stinking old cupcake. So have them imagine that. As they get older, have them imagine graduation day or the nicer car. I remember being 15 and I began to think about driving. And I told my dad, I was thinking about driving. I told him that I wanted to get a car. And he, uh, he said, you know what? I, I want you to have a car. Get a job. And he was serious. And I did. And I saved up for, for a new car or for a car. And I saved quite a bit of money. And I thought, you know, well, here's, I can go get this used car. It's pretty neat. And it has some miles, but it's, it's pretty neat. Until my dad said, you know what? If you just work for another few months, you can get a brand new car. You'll be able to pay for it. You, you're doing amazing. Imagine a brand new car. Nobody's ever driven it before. Well, I begin to visualize that. This was exactly what he had in mind. He would even he even took me to a couple of the car dealerships to show me cars I could afford, pick out colors. Um, and and that, that visualization got me through the next couple of months, or maybe it was three months, until I had enough money from my job to, to buy myself a car. You see, the key of all this is if we delay the immediate gratification and work towards something bigger, healthier, better in the future, life can be bigger and healthier and better.
And that's what we strive, we're striving to do here. The take-home message is, number one, make sure your children can trust you and make sure they trust that hard work and effort is most often going to pay off for them. Number two, teach them how to delay gratification and teach them specific ways to delay gratification. And number three, make sure you're a good role model. I'm Scott Brown. Thanks for coming to talk to me. Dr. Brown is a licensed psychologist. This show focuses on general parenting advice. If you are concerned that your child might have a mental or emotional illness, please seek help. Your pediatrician's office is a great place to start. Come Talk to Me is by Priority Care Productions. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. To learn more, visit pcpeds.com or see the show notes in the episode description. Thank you for joining us and join us again next week for Come Talk to Me.